and welcome to Collisions YYC. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. On today's show, I sit down with Kirsty Boyle. Kirsty is the Director of Market Development at Interface Fluidics, a Calgary-based oil and gas technology startup that has found their legs and is really gaining traction on the global stage. Kirsty brings a very interesting perspective on what it's like to be a technology startup in Western Canada, as well as a really unique perspective from being on the consultant side of the house. She brings some very deep advice and experience around, before you go to market, take the time to talk to your customers. Take the time to understand if is it really a good idea or is it just your idea? And by good idea, I mean, are people going to pay you for it? Join me as I talk with Kirsty Boyle. Well, let's, let's set the stage. Maybe let's give a little bit of background and kind of a little bit of your backstory and kind of, you know, who you are in reference to Calgary or Western Canada. And then we'll kind of get going from there. Sure. Uh, so I am a uh, Calgary citizen for 15 years here. Originally That's awesome. from Vancouver. Oh, okay. Uh, my background is in technology commercialization. I didn't start out there. Uh, I think like most people, the career paths kind of twist and turn. Um, so I started out with an undergrad in biological sciences, which led me into healthcare. And then um, from there, I realized I didn't want to, to be in healthcare. Okay. <laughs> and then... So often we think that's where we want to go, and then you get there, and you're like, oh, I'm going to reassess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so an MBA seemed like the best path to, to pivot. Um, so did my MBA here at the University of Calgary at Haskane, which was a, a great program. And that led me into my next career of management consulting, okay. um, which kind of thrust me into this world of innovation and, and the tech ecosystem here in Calgary, which I had no idea existed in, until I uh, took that role and then realized how, how huge it was. And how many years ago was that? Just because I think it's really interesting to the timeline of like not even knowing has existed to maybe where it is now. Yeah, uh, that was about seven years ago. Okay, so yeah. short, but a long, like a couple lifetimes, but also not that long ago. Yeah. When it yeah. comes to a business ecosystem, that's not very long ago, but when it comes to life, seven years is like two, it's like two, three careers sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so, so really uh, delved into it and, and realized it was such a great fit. So passionate about technology. Um, and then was fortunate to get to work with a lot of the top entrepreneurs in Calgary and across Canada, helping them bring their products to market. Really interesting. And you got to, you did, you had the science background as a base and then you moved into kind of the business filter, but then still were able to apply the two together as you moved into career. Yeah. And I would say that that is my, my focus area. What I'm good at is taking really complicated uh, technology concepts and ideas and translating that into the business outcome. So I like to think of myself as a translator, especially in my current role at Interface. We have a lot of really smart PhDs and, and a lot of what I do day in and day out is translating the really incredible work they're doing into business outcomes for our customers. And maybe even something that other that, nor, that the customer can maybe understand as well. Absolutely. And, and therefore hopefully purchase. Yeah. Science. It's, hard, it's hard to buy what you don't understand or you definitely don't. Exactly. And science communication, it was really eye-opening for me, maybe not others, maybe it's obvious to them, but that if you're a PhD scientist in nanotechnology, you don't speak in the same language as a PhD scientist in geology or chemistry or reservoir engineering. So you actually do have to communicate more in layman's terms. Um, so that, that was really Which is interesting because it'd be almost easy to be like over-assume that, oh, we're both at the same PhD level, so therefore we can, you know, we're, gonna, we're in the same little club. But no, because we've both gone so far down the road of our individual disciplines, we're miles apart. 
Exactly. <laughs> Which can be really interesting when it comes to innovation, when it comes to raising money, when it comes to actually all the things that then need to happen to commercialize. What, what I'll say, quote unquote, what could probably be an amazing idea. But if nobody gets it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Very, uh, very interesting. Well, I think that's a very relevant to kind of what's going on with some things we're challenged with in Western Well, I think globally, that's, a, that's an issue. It's not just here. So one of the things we also like to comment on and kind of set the stage, there's a lot of buzz in what we are kind of trying to pull out and expose with this podcast a little bit is what is this elusive transformation word that we hear in Calgary? We need, and it's more of a need. Like we need to transform. We need to do things differently. We need less reliance on A. We need more move towards B. So in the world you're working with, how does, how does that term land for you? Like what, what kind of meaning does that, does that show up as? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting word and it can evoke a lot of emotion depending on where you're at. Obviously right now in Calgary, things are a bit tough. Uh, we're having problems getting our product to market. Um, you've got uh, a lot of vacancy in downtown Calgary, a lot of layoff rounds. Everyone's being affected by it. So things need to change. Things need to transform. I think most of us are in agreement about that. What does that look like, though? Um, I think sometimes, uh, maybe this is a bit controversial, but when we're talking about transformation, it can be alienating of our resource industry. Yes. Um, and so for me, I really like to shift the narrative um, and look at through the lens of we are a technology industry as a whole, the energy industry here in Calgary. Um, it's it's incredible the innovations that have come out of our industry. And if you look at the AI being applied or the augmented reality or in our case, nanotechnology, um, it's it's massive. And so we really are a technology industry that just so happens to produce a natural resource. And how do we reframe it like that? as we're looking at the diversification. Now, that's so interesting. I was talking to somebody yesterday and we, and we kind of, we both kind of like, it's, it's more of a branding and, and awareness problem than it is reality. Because when you peel it back, there's a lot of really interesting things going on. Certainly what I'm discovering through this. So is it just that we have been such a, I guess from the outside, it's so easy, you know, consumers, they just throw us into that box of like, oh, it's just oil and gas, just oil and gas. And then forget about all the things that maybe go on behind the scenes. Exactly. Yeah. And, and also, um, so I'm on the board of directors for the Telespark um, and trying to inspire the, the community to um, pursue STEM and STEAM. Yes. Um, and, and so in that work and, and some of the market research it's interesting. We're really careful to be inclusive and not alienating when we're talking about the new economy. Because when you talk about the new economy, it almost creates an in-group um, uh, which and an in-group. An in-group and an out-group. And, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So even things around autonomous vehicles, we had one at the Telespark. Um, but being conscious of the fact that that can be scary for some people, um, which, is, which is interesting. We don't always think about that, especially when we're in the technology ecosystem niche. Um, but think about the cab drivers that are being affected by it. Uh, think about all the industries. And so being mindful of that and being inclusive that we're not alienating when we're talking about transformation and talking about the new economy. I think it's a really good point because it's easy to get so excited about a new idea and not always like, there's always consequences. And I, I say that just good or bad. But if I extrapolate that this far enough, it's going to elevate someone, but it might actually it might actually hold someone back or it might actually take them out of a job. And I know there's a lot of fear around AI and the fact that the world is changing and there's always casualties in that. So in your involvement, what, is there any pockets or do you see as there any organizations we can call out or maybe this is an opportunity who's managing that who's dealing with that narrative because that's very real there's this, there's 2,000 open jobs in Calgary but yet there's I could give you 300 people that I know that are out of job and that's an interesting message when you hear with one hand and then the, the reality of the oil and gas you know engineer who has been out of work for two years he doesn't get excited about the job that he maybe can't apply for or feels he can't apply for I'm not sure yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a big question. Who who owns that? Everyone and no one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So so 
any pockets? Because again, part of this, part of the part of the goal of this podcast is also to get some of these groups or some of these initiatives out there for people to hear about. Because again, if you keep it a secret, nobody no nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, there there are so many. Um... What, what's yeah? So in in your travels and kind of in your day to day, what what comes to mind for you? Sure. So um, Rainforest is one. If you're looking to connect in, they have a lunch without lunch. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I had Jim Gibson on, was one of the first guests, and Jim was telling me about lunch without lunch. Jim's great. <laughs> yeah, um, he is. Calgary Economic Development has a lot of resources. Uh, my company is at Nucleus right now, which okay. is the precursor to the platform. Yes. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. What's the timeline on the platform? Because oh. Jim, ta- Jim was talking to me about it as well. Of course, I was trying to pin him down, and he wouldn't. And you look like you're going to squirm out of that question, too. Yeah. <laughs> Ask Jim. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he didn't give me a straight answer either. <laughs> Um, but Nucleus is, is closing down at the end of August, so there'll be a... Oh, okay, okay, so there is a... Okay. Yeah. Um, a creative destruction lab, so Interface, we were one of uh, the first cohort, um, the inaugural cohort. Oh, awesome, so you, you were involved in that, okay. Yeah, um, that was a really great program, really encouraging you to think big, have massive ideas. Uh, the, the BDC, um, the okay. Development Bank of Canada, they are really great, especially for loans for, for startups and, you know, taking on those riskier portfolios. Okay. Um, they're great. Uh, then if you're looking at funding, um, a lot of my consultancy work was subsidized by grants. So Alberta Innovates, IRAP, Tectera, um, those are all good ones to tap. Okay. Um, if someone's on the outs, because I was talking to, I've been talking to a few business owners, they're like, I know that these things are going on. And I was actually chatting some friends in Edmonton and they said that there just seems to be the Edmonton business community. That was, this was their take on it was much more savvy at accessing those programs oh. where I came. I've, I've talked to a few people in Calgary. They're like, yeah, I know. And I've got a few buddies that run businesses that have really doubled down on that. And it's really supported them and some of their, and it's anything from manufacturing to tech, like it was supporting them to be innovative and, and kind of drive forward. But I heard that there was a, a few people have told me this, that just Edmonton, seems to do better with that than Calgary does. And I, that's just me putting out of something that I've heard a couple times. Interesting. I haven't heard that. Um, I do think that it's one of the biggest challenges is how fragmented uh, the tech innovation ecosystem is. Right. Um, and would love to see us all doing a better job of working together and, and leveraging each other and the resources to help entrepreneurs. What do you, do you, is there any one, do you think there, is there anything particular that's kind of making that? Is it because it's new and everyone's trying to find their path? Is it just because there isn't one central point to focus in on? What's your, how, you know, how would you do it different? Yeah. I mean, as for the reason, I think there's just a lot of enthusiasm. People want to help out. Um, and so it's led to a lot of organizations popping up. How, how it would be different is just uh, sitting, sitting down together and having the organizations talk more and regular meetings between them to really figure out how they carve out their niche and how they work together and, and support. Where are we similar where, and where are we different? Yeah, I think Startup Calgary is one that's doing a really good job of that. Okay. Um, and, and they're also, they're one of my favorites that I would recommend for anyone starting out wanting to create transformation. Uh, one of the favorite programs um, there would be the Startup Weekend. Okay. Yeah, I have heard of it. Yeah. Well, Kevin, who who is behind the scenes on this, the, he has a great charity program called Give a Mile, and he tells the story. He told me the story, not to not to rehash it. But he showed up that weekend just to observe, and they kind of pulled him into participating. And at the end of that weekend, he created Give a Mile. <laughs> so like he was there, I think, as an observer. Then all of a sudden, there was no observers. You're an active participant, and that's kind of was the outcome. But he spoke highly, and I've heard it referenced by a few people of like kind of put yourself in there and almost like force force the issue a little bit. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so great. I was a judge there um, recently. Oh, right on. And uh, the one that we crowned the winner um, did start the company. And so I'm, I'm looking, keeping an eye on them and rooting for them and, and hope uh, they're successful. So at the end of that weekend, you've got a little bit of exposure. You've got, and there's, is there, is, there's prize money, correct? 
Uh, or is it more support, like a network support? I, I didn't. I don't know all the details. I think it depends on. Okay. Yeah, I think sometimes there's some cash and and then there's definitely in kind. Okay. Yeah, which is often yeah. I have money. That's great, but I also need support. I need mentorship. I need people who have been down this road before. Yeah. So Interface Fluidics. How long have you been with uh, been with them? So I've been full time for a year and a half. Okay. But I actually met them. I met um, two of the founders at as a consultant. So they engaged me to evaluate the the market opportunity. Okay. Uh, do some customer discovery. At the time, they both were gainfully employed. They <laughs> in cushy oil and gas jobs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before they jumped off into the deep end of the entrepreneur pool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, it was when I dug in, I dug in for a few months on the opportunity and it was overwhelmingly one of the most positive. So really encouraged them to quit their jobs and start the company. Well, so they're a really good like living, breathing example of somebody who said, okay, I'm going to go out there into the fray and do something different. Exactly. Oh, yeah. interesting when, story. When That's a great story. The lowest price per barrel. <laughs> yes. And I, it's... Uh, oil and gas specific. It's reservoir optimization, correct? Uh, correct. Okay, yeah. I did a quick. I did a quick creep on your website and <laughs> and, and, and and read through it. So with the, so these two gentlemen that had the expertise, I'm assuming they're coming from the oil and gas space. What was the eco? Like, how was the ecosystem? Now they've well, you got you've been there a year and a half. How long have they been in business? You've been there right since the beginning. Uh, so they've three years. Okay, three and, years. Yeah. So so was, I was there when they were starting it, and then okay. have been with them full time for a year and a half. Oh, now. okay. And how are you seeing? Like, I'm always curious. It's good to talk about it, but. These, this is a group that's actually doing it. They're living it. They're pushing new technology. How is, like, do they have the right amount of support? Do, do they have what they need to be successful? I would say so. So okay. since I joined, I was the first business hire, employee number five, and we're 25 people now. Awesome. Closing on a, awesome. a Series A raise, hopefully be announcing You that guys are doing soon. a Series A. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. I was talking to someone then. They're like, I can't think of any, like, what, who's doing a Series A in Calgary right now? So you guys are doing one. Okay. Yeah. And is that, how do you feel? It feels like you guys are kind of at the head of the curve when it comes to tech innovation in, in Calgary or Western Canada. We like to think so. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah no, no, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's interesting. You were talking earlier about um, how maybe four generations ago, entrepreneurs starting companies here in Calgary maybe didn't feel supported. We have the opposite experience. I think okay. we feel incredibly supported. You know, yeah, from awesome. from day two of starting the company, we pitched at the Energy New Ventures competition, took home second place, and okay. you know they're still supporting us to this day. We're we're promoting us uh, on LinkedIn. Um, the other week, okay, uh, and we've been taking a part of the Creative Destruction Lab, of of the different startup Calgary events, and so we've been fortunate to have a lot of people that have helped us along the way and gotten us to where we are. It makes all the difference in the world, like you said. And I've, I've, I, I'm not from Calgary. I moved here. I'm from I was from back east, Montreal, and I moved to Calgary. And it's like wow, like it's such a supportive, it's such a like we can be successful together kind of mindset here. Yeah. So you know when I think about that and I hear about you know the struggles we're having, our companies not feeling they're getting enough support. There feels like there's sometimes there's a misalignment because we do have a very like hey no problem I'll help you out or I'll introduce you to someone I can. It's like the big small town that we live in out here. <laughs> Absolutely. Which I think in times like this you really need that. It's that kind of when the community community and that's a broad sense when you live in a city pulls together yeah yeah it's a big city with a small city small town feel it absolutely is and i think that's a huge that's a huge advantage and that's also a story i don't think we tell because until you move here you don't really get to feel what that's like when everybody says hi to you and like that that's a real thing and it sets it sets the tone so interesting so you guys so you've really been how's it been being on the client side versus the consultant side (laughs) it's been interesting um it's it's been great actually so being on the consulting side, helping dive into the strategy, but I would give the strategy and say, "Now go do it. Goodbye." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even the, though the classic consultant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, increasingly over my years there, I really got bit 
by the bug and wanted to dive in and build a company. And so uh, there were a few companies that I consulted for that really intrigued me. Um, and Interface Analytics really resonated with me. The, the value proposition, the team, everything kind of was coming together. So they were one that I really wanted to, to join and jump in and build. And so feel and, fortunate and every day that I get to do oh, that. Oh, that's a very nice way to wake up in the morning. <laughs> so for yourself, when you're now that you're not... It, out there as much with other companies, you're focusing on one. Where do you go for your sources of inspiration, learning to kind of push yourself into new areas? Do you go to other markets? Is there specific events here that have really, that you say like these are must attends for someone like, you know, that's trying to do what you're doing? Yeah. Um, I guess my perspective is a little different because we're very global. So where I go for inspiration, I, there's a lot of international events that I'll go to. Um, Abu Dhabi, uh, I was in a few months back, and, and that was really inspiring, especially getting to know a lot of the locals. Um, and they outwardly talk about how great Canadian technology is. We have a really good reputation on the international stage. Um, going down to Houston quite a bit, they've got a lot of, they've got a really great tech ecosystem there. Yes, I've heard um, that. Really inspiring events that they have going on. And in Calgary as well has has a lot of great good great events it's interesting when you it's, it's so good to go out globally and hear that and bring that story back yeah. of like no like we are looked at as really like know what we're doing and like have a good just a good solid rep have a good solid brand yeah well so tech stars i'm not sure if you're familiar with them they're I'm not. Um, one of the largest accelerators around the world. Okay. And they launched their first energy technology cohort uh, in partnership with Equinor, previously Statoil. Okay. Oh, okay. And so they had something like 1,500 applications around the world. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and uh, they ended up selecting two out of the 10 were from Calgary, which is huge. Oh, that's, yeah. That, from a percentage perspective, like we're kind of like, that's, that's amazing to hear. Yeah. And so we were... <clears throat> I'm losing my voice here. No we problem. were we were one of them. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, you guys are on a good path. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's good to chat with you because you're doing it. There's like talking about innovation. There's talking about pushing new ideas. And, and it was two guys, you know, I'm assuming you, you said it was two guys, two, two engineers that had the cushy job. <laughs> and and I'll ask, did they leave the job or did the job leave them? What was the order of events? I'm always, I'm always curious because sometimes you're thrust into entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah. So we had one one engineer, one, one MBA, okay. um, and then uh, the third co-founder was is still a professor at the University of Toronto where the technology came from um, oh that's interesting yeah, okay they, they left the job yeah good that's the fantastic job did not leave them that's good it's curious you just touched on something that I've been that I'm thinking a lot about where's the role of academia in all this like you said like the, the one of the founders was coming out of the University of Toronto where the idea spawned from the actual technology itself what do you see obviously that's been a real that's been a, a backbone for you guys in terms of credibility and having this thing to build where do you see that is that working in Calgary is there a good do you see an opportunity for difference or do you think that the universities whether it's uh, UFC or Mount Royal are we all playing together really well? Are we getting the most out of each other when it comes to the business community versus the academic world? I mean, there's so many great technologies that are brewing in academia. Right. And, and there is a big uh, gap in terms of how do we get that out of them and how do we bring it to industry? Lots of It's two very different mindsets. Very different mindsets. The research, we're here to just keep our head down and do the thing versus over here is like, how do we go to market? Yeah. <laughs> and oftentimes those, like, you know, it's, it's your world. It's the translation that you do. Exactly. I've got this amazing idea, but, 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 but no one understands it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think a lot of great technologies. Ours was in development for five years out of the University of Toronto before we spun it off. 
the engineer co-founder. He was the master student underneath the professor, and so that's where the idea came from. Oh, so you guys have a really solid origin story yeah. in terms of where it came from, the instant credibility being associated with academia that, that way, and then moving into the engineering world to kind of kind of prove, prove it out. Exactly. I think another piece where we see a lot of great opportunity is technologies that are proven in other industries, and then you apply them in a novel way in a different industry for a step change effect. And so for us, our platform is based on microfluidics, which is something that has been proven for decades in the biomedical industry. And we took that and just applied it in a novel way for oil and gas optimization. So interesting. Because yeah. technically the, the idea was already de-risked by another industry. Exactly. I was chatting with Eric Allen from, uh, uh, from Tundra, from um, the ACE program. And that's what he said. He goes, I asked him the one question. I said, who would you collide together? He said, literally, he goes, anywhere there's a technology that's farther ahead and kind of been proven out and de-risked. He said ag and the oil and gas space he thought was a really interesting comparison because the agriculture industry has been doing a lot of things with technology that oil and gas still consider new and risky. But for them, they're just, they're like, no, this is just how we do things. That was an interesting perspective of because why, why do we not go forward it's risk exactly and how do we mitigate but someone could have already mitigated so that's interesting you guys didn't come up with a new idea you just repurposed a good idea exactly <laughs> oh that's powerful um so let's talk a little bit about just from a what would we measure if you and i were going to sit down and we're going to plan this out and we're going to whiteboard out like here's some kpis that we think we need to see for calgary like so Transformation, great term, kind of vague. If we were going to measure transformation six months or a year from now, what are some of the things that you, from your perspective, you would want to look at to, to know we're moving in the right direction? Mm-hmm. I think first off, it would be looking at the dollar value of capital deployed here. Okay. I think that's really important. Well, that's a nice, it's very tangible. That's yeah. real. This was money that was put on the street to do work, to, yeah. to make great change. Mm. Exactly. Um, I think the number of successful exits that we're seeing here Uh, is another one to keep an eye on. Um, And something we don't do a great job talking about. Like, for example, when we have a unicorn, it's rarely talked about or known. So one great example was Solium. Yes, that name is coming. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, in my conversations, I find not many people know that they they exited for $1.1 billion recently. Um, That's and, a great story. We're so yeah. Canadian. We're so bad at telling our own stories. Exactly. We need to do a much better job of that because that's incredible. And that's inspiring because then you, know, you take someone who's at a different, different, different place in the journey like you guys and go, wow, that's expiring. That, you know, I'm a huge believer in when you see what's possible, all of a sudden the barriers start to fall away. Exactly. Exactly. We, um, yeah, if you can see it, you can be it. There's a... <laughs> Quote of the day right there. Absolutely. Exactly. Um, there's so the United Nations, they just launched a pilot program called She Innovates, okay. and they chose Alberta out of anywhere in the world to to launch this. And so it's about uh, featuring women who are doing innovation transformation uh, in the industry, and and profiling them around the world for two years, a big PR circuit. And so I was one of the women selected for this. Oh, congratulations! That's amazing. Thank you. What, um, a, what a fantastic effort. The people you must have, you, you're going to meet on this journey are going to be fantastic. It's incredible. Yeah, I have to pinch myself. I'm, I'm, <laughs> is this I'm really so happening? Honored. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. So that's, and the, the whole purpose is if she can see it, she can be it. So empowerment, just covering so many levels, but at the fundamental elevating. And why did they, why Cal, like, that's awesome that Calgary made it on that list. Yeah. Again, these stories, I didn't, I've not heard of this. Yeah. <laughs> this is good news. Why are we talking about yeah. that? Well, I think there's a few reasons they chose uh, Calgary and, and Alberta for this. Uh, we have the uh, 30% of female founders. Uh, 
A thirty percent of founders are female. Are female? Okay. Yeah, here, which is double the that's national a, that's average. A, that's a fantastic statistic. Yeah, yeah, um, and as well in Calgary, uh, we have the highest number of entrepreneurs per capita in the country. I've heard that before, is that, and that's is that is still true? Because when I moved out here, I've been here since two thousand. I'd always heard that, and there was a couple highest millionaires per capita, the most entrepreneurial you know city, and I wasn't sure if any of that would still held true. That's great to hear. Yeah, as far as I know. Yes, fact, I know. I've, I've heard it. that too. Yeah, no, that, that's a fact check. We'll do that. We'll do that after. <laughs> Interesting. So capital deployed, exits. Um, anything else? Anything else that would be kind of worth throw up, throw up on our board? I would love to see an anchor tenant um, okay. come in. Uh, okay. So a big tech company that, that helps to homegrown talent mm-hmm. and training. And that's so often the case. It's that push-pull strategy of like what, you know, what types of education are we being, are coming out of the schools versus what's the demand and how do you balance those two? Yeah. Because filling a market with skills that aren't necessarily required or there's no one here to really employ that. One of the things we've been chatting about or some, a lot of people have talked about is that because we're still kind of a lean bit of a small market, it's hard to attract talent because they might come for one job, but what's the next job? Mm-hmm. And I've heard that that's that they're out there, but that's definitely a fear when you know some of the people I'm talking to are having challenges recruiting out of out of market and bringing people here. Because yes, we have great quality of life, and the mountains are an hour away. And but but if I'm on my path and I know my learning curve is a couple of years, maybe eight, you know, thirty six months, what's next? And yeah. to have it to pack up and move again, that's kind of that can be overwhelming depending on what cycle of life you're in. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think another one as well is looking at the number of computer science graduates okay. from our universities. Uh, that's a common pain point I hear in the industry is how do you attract the um, software developers and that kind of talent. In your travels, is there any cities that we could use as maybe a bit of a role model? And like, we're not the first ones who've gone through this challenge. <laughs> is there any cities that you've been involved in or events that you've been to where you've seen that they've really um, kind of pushed through? Maybe, who can we look to? Who's a little bit farther down the path that we're on now? Hmm. <laughs> Uh, Houston is one that comes to mind, I guess, being more in the energy space. I think they've done a really good job. Um, Especially one of the things they do really well is cross collisions with other industries. So, uh, oh, interesting. So they're, they're, they're creating that like de-risking by banging some different industries together. Yeah. And, and even the government. So, so NASA is, is. Uh, prominent in the industry and they're always looking for ways they can take the technologies they're developing and deploy them in other industries to help. I think, I think that's so valuable and it's so easy to stay in our, in our own little buckets in our own little bubbles and kind of wonder what, why and what, and try to solve these problems where someone else has probably stumbled across this problem before and Mm -hmm. cross pollinate that. Oh, very, very interesting. So what's the path forward for you guys? So let's, let's talk a little bit about, cause you're on an interesting journey. You've, it sounds like it's really working and you're like literally glowing uh, for, <laughs> for the audience out there. You're glowing when, when we talk about it, but I think it's such a good example because you're, you're in one of the companies that's doing the thing that we're talking about right now. We're doing it. Uh, we're really fortunate to have really great customers. Um, so we're working with a lot of the super majors and majors, uh, some in Calgary here, Suncor, Sonovus, okay. Husky, uh, and then internationally working with Saudi Aramco, working with Equinor, uh, previously Statoil, uh, working with BP. Uh, so it's, it's exciting to see the impact that we're having and that our technology really is being used to make decisions that are leading to really great outcomes. Oh, that's awesome. So have you, speaking of the de-risking and, and like the companies, I've always heard like, you know, big, big oil and gas always wants to be second or third. They don't mm-hmm. want to be the first ones to try something. Have you found, like you, you've, you've said earlier that there's been a real openness and kind of an open arm support for your organization. Have you guys found the big majors to be very open to giving, like I'll say quote unquote, giving you guys a chance? 
Yeah. I mean, I can understand from their perspectives, it's, it's scary to work with a small company. You Absolutely. don't know if they're going to be in business next week. Uh, yeah, we, no, those things are all very real. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I think when you really hit on a pain point that you're solving in a significant way that's pervasive and urgent, and they're willing to pay for it, uh, they will embrace you. Uh, we do talk about it a lot in, in Canada. Do find that our operators do want to be second or third. Okay. Um, we have had to expand outside of Canada. So over 75% of our revenue comes from outside of Canada. Interesting. And is there just an open, a different level of openness to that? We'll try something new. I would say so. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. And is that, that's interesting. So is that a, just a cultural phenomenon? Is that just the way we run our business? You're not the first person who said that to me. That's why I'm digging in on it a little bit. Yeah. Where like, how are we, how are we not getting out of our own way? And I, I understand risk and I understand like leadership executives, they're there to mitigate risk for the shareholders and for the organization, but sometimes not acting has got some risk attached to it as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can understand from their perspective. It is, it is scary taking on that risk and, and you know, it is easier to wait to see it de-risked before you adopt it. Uh, there, there are bright spots. Um, you know, Suncor especially has been a really great early partner for us. And please, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about calling out people that are, that are, that are helping us in this market. Yeah. For sure. There needs to, that's part of the, it's part of my mission is to call more of these people out and bring attention to the positive things that are going on. Yeah. And I would say, I like to separate it in terms of there's the technology adoption piece, which we are later on compared okay. to other areas. Um, but in terms of the technology creation piece, I think we are, world leading um, and we have a reputation for that so we we birth a lot of great technologies um, and for me as as another metric i would love to see more of them stay here and be able to stay here and sustain their business and that's grow. interesting and is that just because there's like do you find companies have to leave this market like you said 75 percent of your revenue is coming from outside this market but yet your idea was you know birth in canada toronto and calgary kind of combined uh, so is it are they leaving just because they don't feel there's enough opportunity uh, I think absolutely. Um, depending on your goals for your organization, you're going right. to have to expand beyond Canada at some point. But still being based here and expanding beyond here, those are two different things. Yeah, that's true. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, expanding beyond, I think that's great because it adds more profile and get, you know, get your eggs, you know, don't put all your eggs in one bag, you know, all those, all those <laughs> sayings, which are true. But having to leave here because you can't get the talent or you don't get the support or maybe, you know, there isn't a pro-business sentiment this, that you feel you could go somewhere else and get better, whether it's tax breaks or whatever the case may be. You know, I'm all for companies being based here and expanding and selling uh, and being all over the world and putting us on the map even more. Mm. It's when they leave that makes me a bit, that's what bugs me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And That's yeah. a negative KPI. <laughs> exactly. One to watch. Um, and, and hopefully we never have to leave here. That's that's fantastic. And from, yeah, so interesting to think about. Uh, and I, I love that you're living it and then you went from the consulting side of kind of seeing multiple examples and then finding something you could lean in on and now being being the change that you want to see, that, that, you, that you, they wanted to create. So... Uh, what insights will it, yeah, let's get really into it then. What insights, because you got the consultant hat on, but also <laughs> been doing it. So let's back up three years ago and take, and take someone who's maybe where you guys were when you first got involved or when you first did that consulting. What's out there for them? Where should they go? What support? Like, let's do, give them a little mini five-minute consult from a pro. <laughs> <laughs> um, a startup Calgary I mentioned already is a great yes. place to start off. Um, my first piece of advice would be just do it, start it. <laughs> one, one foot, one foot in front of the other. Exactly. It takes a lot of courage. Um, it's, you're taking risk, but it's worth it. Uh, the second piece would be really, really dig in on customer discovery and market validation before you invest a significant Which was the piece process. of work they brought you in to do. Exactly. And 
in my consulting, it was really surprising to me how many smart people missed that step and would come to us after investing a significant amount of capital and Is time. it because they were so bought into the idea they didn't, like, it's kind of the opposite of the scientific method. You look for everything to validate versus anything to kind of break it. Yeah, cognitive biases are real. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they absolutely are, yeah. The present company probably, I'm like, hmm, yes. But you don't realize it because you're so bought into it. <laughs> I know, and, and that's that whole shifting from falling in love with your solution to falling in love with the problem you're solving because then, then that opens up a realm of solutions to solve that problem. I think and the only way to do that is by talking to the customer. Exactly. You, even at Interface, we still get caught up on thinking about different product lines and product lines we really love, but then when we get out and start talking to the customer, it turns out that's not something that they are willing to pay money for. Um, and Because and th- really- that's the make or break right there. <laughs> Will you pay money? That's a nice to have, but I'm not going to pay you money for it. Exactly. The difference between nice to have and, and putting money on the table. And being okay to walk away from what you think is your best idea ever, that's tough. Yeah. Because well, we're still human. Yeah, we like to call it, um, you know, it's like calling your baby ugly. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> It's such a good example when you've, and I think what, you know, I thought it was interesting what you said about, you know, Calgary being such a, such a hub for where we, like the, the ideas come from, it's just what happens next. Yeah. And when you're in that idea phase, it's really easy to be like, you know, proverbial, and as Eric talked about, like be the engineer in his basement with the million dollar idea that nobody knows about. Yeah. But, but, you know, and then there's the perfectionist procrastinator, like I'll just keep working on it and then I'll show the world versus going out there and with technology and it's so easy to kind of like crowdsource. Like you can just put something out, you can write a white paper, send it to people you know. Like there's so many ways to get feedback and get that cycle going sooner. I think it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. I always find it um, a little amusing when there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are incredibly protective of their idea and feel they can't even share it. Just it's almost the, the, scar- the scarcity mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, there, there are examples where, you know, Maybe it's not a good idea to be sharing it with certain. Of course, certain yes, of course. You still have to have. We're talking about within reasonable. Yeah, but on a whole, it's it's always a great idea to to get your baby out there and get feedback. Take on it, it for a walk and yeah. see if if everyone else thinks it's as pretty as you think it is. Exactly, and and you know, stop asking your friends and family because they're they're liars. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Sometimes. Yeah. No. 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 I think. I think. <laughs> I think it's solid advice. And when you're, it's so easy to get caught up in that and get into your own little validation cycle. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Typically. And as a consultant, I'm sure you've probably had 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 the opportunity or the requirement. You got paid to have many of those hard conversations. Yeah, and they were hard conversations. Um, I think it was always important to keep in mind empathy because it's. It's their baby. It is. Yes, absolutely. So now that you're kind of tied up and locked down, you're fully dating this one company. <laughs> and Because I'm thinking about people that are listening to this going, I have an idea and you know what? Like, oh, I've been kind of scared to take it out, but I need to. Is is there organizations they should talk to specifically about that? Or even calling out other consultants? Who else? Because you know, you're the first version of you that I've met that does that. <laughs> so who else in the city do you know that people can reach out to? This could be just unbiased, like blatant plugs for people that you think would be the right people to talk to. I think that's important. Yeah, I think they're... they're there's a lot of them. If, if you just start going out to some of the events, you'll naturally start bumping into them at the okay. rainforest. There's a lot of different tech meetups to go to. Uh, yeah, in their net, go to the natural habitat where they hang out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and once you meet one or two, they tend to start connecting you into the rest of them. Okay. And is it is it more like what you did? Was it more a single shingle kind of consultant model versus going to an organization to try to... Because sometimes that's not realistic because it's time and cost and it's intimidating. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, so we uh, the firm was called Uncommon Innovation, uh, and we specialized a hundred percent in technology commercialization, working with entrepreneurs. That's awesome. And yeah. how many people on that team? 
Uh, so it would range in terms of the core consulting team up to six, seven people. Um, but then we also uh, invested in technology companies and then would deploy our consultants. Uh, oh, interesting. So them. it was a bit of a, a bit of an investment model. And then you guys were there to help do some of the vetting and kind of yeah. due diligence around it and then also support going forward. Yeah. So sometimes. Oh, interesting. Okay. So we had a couple different angles to it. I understand. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was, it was great. So we were doing and consulting uh, myself. I was more focused on the consulting piece, but the tech companies that we had, they would be in our offices and growing. So we'd be with them from, you know, just when the founders were kicking around in flip-flops and raggedy t-shirts to, you know, when we were <laughs> kicking them out of our office because they were 25 people and they were taking over. Yes. And they didn't do their dishes. <laughs> <laughs> all the real thing. Yes. All the real, the, the unglamorous things behind the scenes of what it is to run an organization. Um, going down to maybe being a little bit more pointed, is there anything that's really kind of broken right now in, in, in the city that you see or things that are like, wow, like we need to get that out of the way? Are there a barrier or it's just something that shouldn't be happening? Yeah, yeah. I would say two things, and we've touched on both of them, I think, the how fragmented the industry is. Yes, you mentioned um, that. And how it's the best kept secret until you get into it. And you're like, wow, this is huge, this ecosystem. But outside the ecosystem, not many people know about it. Right. Um, so, And then the second would be doing a better job of telling, talking about our success stories. Because we've got a lot of them. And we have to stop being so Canadian and, and brag a little. Yes, I completely agree. Who's and and this is a broad one, but whose responsibility is that? Because you know, I'm big on when there's a leader, there's like leadership. I don't mean a person, but sometimes there is. You can rally behind you know someone or an organization. Who who should be out in the front with that? Telling is that Calgary Economic Development? Yeah, that that was kind of my where my head goes. You're nodding, <laughs> but yeah, who should be telling this or who should be who should be like you know throwing the trumpet out there? <laughs> yeah, everyone absolutely, but I think. Calgary Economic Development is doing really good work um, telling those stories and and being the leaders in that space. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that it's everyone, that's something that anyone listening can yes. help with. Get curious, ask questions, learn about what's going on, learn about what we're doing a good job of and spread the word. That's awesome. So somebody sitting on the sidelines, you kind of touched on it a little bit. Where, where would be the first place they go? Is there any websites? Like I'm, I'm sitting here and listening and I'm enthused. I'm kind of jazzed <laughs> up going, you know, okay, it's time to get off the couch. <laughs> Whatever that looks like. Where would they go first? Where's my, because I feel a bit overwhelmed. Yeah. Uh, so Startup Calgary is, is a really great one. Another one, uh, it was actually the first board of directors that I joined was the Sheik Geek. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of the Sheik Geek. I, I saw because I creeped on your LinkedIn. Oh, great. So I hadn't heard of it before, but I did when I was on there. So I checked it out. Yeah. So uh, it's an organization supporting women specifically okay. uh, in technology and has programming around, especially if you're tech curious, um, but are intimidated it's a nice way to and, put it, yeah. and don't know where to go. Uh, my favorite program that they run is the mentorship program. So that's a great one. Uh, so I was a mentor uh, with that program for a few years. And so they'd match me with uh, women who were thinking about starting a company, and so I would walk them through the market validation, customer discovery piece. Uh, so they oh, that's a, a fantastic that. resource. Again, yeah. resource I hadn't heard about before. Yeah, um, and so so keep an eye out for that cohort. I I found it incredibly valuable as a mentor. I got a, more out of it than I probably. Mentoring did. is a funny thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, you learn so much from it. It's amazing. Yeah, they, you, you you think that they think you're getting all the benefit, and you're like, oh my god, I learned so much. I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah, um, platform is one to keep an eye on okay. as as that morphs and figures out what it's going to be in the community. Um, it definitely has all the right ingredients. Um, so looking forward to to keeping an eye on that. Is there something you touched on? I think it's great. Um, is the is the world of tech becoming more balanced from a gender perspective? Mm. Yeah, yeah, and we touched on that uh, out of all the founders here, 
thirty percent or female. I like that. Yeah, I got excited about yeah. that number because I think because if there's any barriers like that, those should be just removed immediately because that's ridiculous in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, and so for myself, my role is revenue generation, so business development, sales, marketing. So I'd be lying if I said I hadn't faced some of that myself firsthand. Okay. No, I appreciate the honesty on that. For for every you know barrier that I might have had, I had five more positive interactions. And, and so the trend is in the yeah, right is in the right direction. It is. It's it's positive. Because to me, for success, we need everybody on deck. We need yeah. all, good ideas come from everywhere, and they're not gender specific. Exactly. <laughs> so and to hear that that from Calgary that we're leading in that. Globally, that's that that was really inspiring, and that those barriers are coming down every day. To me, that's incredibly important because we're all we're going to solve this problem, quote unquote. What this Calgary, the new version of Calgary, together. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's really important for us to continue the conversation of you know, most startups fail, uh, but what are those barriers? Where are they getting hung up on? Um, where are they dying off that we could potentially address and help them through those gaps so that they can go on to grow successful companies to the extent. And you know, one big piece, I would say the, the number one reason most tech startups fail is they make something no one wants to buy. <laughs> Product market <laughs> Sounds fit. so simple when you say it like that. So back to your original recommendation of like get out there and do some validation. Validation. And, and it's hard to know how to do that. There's lots of resources available. Uh, there's lots of people in the community that can help with that. Um, but I think that's one big barrier we can really address as a community is, is just helping give that advice, letting people even know that's something they should do. And this is the term. It's called customer discovery and market validation. And Google it. <laughs> do it. It's, yes, yeah, being resourceful. It's all out there. But, but if there. you don't know, you even need to ask the question. It's hard to go Google something I don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And, and, and that never ends, I would say. Here at Interface, <laughs> that's 100% true. We still don't know what we don't know. <laughs> but we ask for help. And, and we listen and we tap into all the resources. Well, your advice about getting out there and like sitting in on these uh, startup weekends or going to an event and, and it's amazing what you hear and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow. That, you, and you hear a couple, something like that a couple times. It starts to sink in and it changes your views of the world. Mm-hmm. But so much of what we're talking about, you can't, you, like, you can't just go take a course on it. You've got to get out there and do it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And creating an environment, I've talked about this with a couple other guests, where like, failing isn't always failing. It's learning like, okay, you went out, you tried a new idea. It didn't work. Great. That's okay. This, it's not a binary, like plus or minus, like, great. That didn't work out, but look at how much you learned. Mm-hmm. You know, my CFO always jokes, you know, so show me someone who started a business from scratch or had a business fail. I'll show you someone with an MBA. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, cause you're going to learn and you're going to, you'll, you'll never have to learn those lessons again. Cause trust me, they leave a mark. <laughs> and it was just a nice way to put it, but you're not going to do that if you're, you know, in the quote unquote cushy job, which yeah. that, I'm not saying that that's wrong, but you know, there's being entrepreneurial and then there's being an entrepreneur. They're very, they're very different. Yeah. Absolutely. But, and yeah, no, your point is a really good one. Not being afraid of failure because you're, if you're going to try anything, there's always a risk of failure, but, but what's the risk of not trying? Yes. Arguably right now, a lot higher because <laughs> the consequences are very real, yep. you know, and we've kind of sat in success that sometimes breeds complacency and we're coming out of like, we're dealing with, I think the symptoms of that a little bit, not to be too prescriptive on it, but mm-hmm. when things are good, why would I change? I'm making money. It's all good. But then all of a sudden now, like, you know, let's not waste a good downturn. Let's, let's shake things up a little bit. Yeah. And, <laughs> And it really has been an opportunity, um, especially with the recession, still being a consultant, helping a lot of energy technologies, maybe ones that only save $100,000 per well that right. are, you know, typically wouldn't have even been looked at. But now because people are so scrappy and really needing to save every penny, uh, they were able to get meetings, they were able to get ins. Um, so there was a lot more sense of urgency around finding technologies that could help bring those efficiencies. I think that's huge. You're right. Cause that change forces 
things to be different because you're like, there's pain now. We need to we need to go find those pennies. Where before, ah, we'll just deal with them. That's it's fine. The wheelbarrows of money keep showing up, so we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> we get we're, we're the humans can be a bit lazy sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it it shifted it. So if you had technologies that produced short-term returns, that was probably where people's interests were. They were less likely ah, to okay. invest in technologies that would give longer-term um, outcomes. Uh, so, so little little blips versus long term change. Yeah, exactly. We're now because we've been in this for as long as we have, and you know the, the tunnels, the light at the end of the tunnels may be looking better, but still we have a future ahead of us of being efficient, being lean, optimizing everything. It's on everybody's mandate. It's marching orders. Yeah, mm-hmm. and a lot of technologies they they produce the efficiency short term and long term. So it's more of a messaging challenge of of just shifting the messaging and emphasizing the short term changes, teasing the long term benefits. Um, but yeah, there's the get messaging. it. There's the get in the door strategy. Yeah, yeah, like we've got some wins. Absolutely, but now that we're here, let's talk about the longer-term partnership and actually working working together and capitalizing on this innovation. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, last question: If you were going to take two industries, two groups, two whatever maybe, and kind of collide them together and say, like, of these two groups, like, and I know you talked about it broadly that you know you said it, but if we're going to take two groups that could benefit the most from each other that maybe aren't spending enough time together, who would you uh, who would you pick? Hmm, that's a good question. I would I would take the University of Calgary. Okay. All the great research that's being done there and pair them with, say, an Alberta Innovates or maybe a Calgary Economic Development and and try and help. How do we extract some of those technologies um, and deploy them in industry? To everyone's play to everybody's strengths, but understand that you know what you're really good at. It's not going to get us here, and what we're good at, we need your. We kind of need the the ideas and that you're generating, and then pushing them out there. Yeah. It's so interesting, and you say that because we get so like, and everyone is right because that's what they believe is the right way forward. But it's that putting them together and kind of like literally colliding that idea to create that explosion, if you will, that turns into something bigger and different than than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's what I think. Yeah, no, I I, I like that one. Um, Chrissy, thank you so much for your time and for your candor and for like being in the trenches and for being the being what we need to do to actually create change in this market. Thank it was you. It's a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you.